Hello there. Welcome to Facebook Live Goddess and Energy Coming Alive. I am Yukiko Amaya, your host, and um, I'm so glad that you are here. I first of all want to thank the, the land that I'm on. I'm on the traditional lands of the Manahawk people of the Monacan Confederacy in the Sioux Nation. And if you know whose ancestral or traditional lands you are on, I welcome you to um, put it into the comments. Or if you don't know, perhaps it's something that you can research into and find out. It's part of our, I feel, a respect, not only for the land, but for the history that is in the land that goes further back than just our, the current people who hold power in this nation that we are in. I am a healer and priestess of goddess and priestess of Avalon. I also do shamanic practice and embodiment practices. And I really wanted to do this Facebook Live series because I am like many of you, I am concerned about the state of the world. And um, I would really love to see a shift in the way that we not only connect with each other and with ourselves, but in the way that we connect with our world, all the life forms on this amazing planet Earth. And I was reading the other day about how the astronauts who went up in the Apollo missions and who saw Earth from outer space when they returned, that they were changed. And they were changed seeing Earth from outer space or from the lunar landscape and seeing in this vast blackness, this glowing, glittering globe of blue, our water planet, our planet Earth, and saw how fragile and beautiful this closed ecosystem is and how we are part of the living beings of earth and how we are tasked, tasked to, to look after it. And for me, part of my inquiry and journey has been to understand uh, what those responsibilities are and, um, and what it really means to respect something or somebody who is not myself and who is different, you know? Looking at the, I was out this morning doing my ritual out amongst the trees and really feeling their energy. We are surrounded by intelligent beings who function on a different vibratory level, but they are all alive, all with souls, all with intent, and all with this amazing network of connection. And I'm always forever amazed that even though we have been so unkind and so cruel to the trees, we have cut down most of the forests that covered the greater part of our planet. And yet, when we go to them, they are incredibly generous in their openness and capacity to guide and help us and heal us. So today, I'm very, very excited to um, have a wonderful friend and an amazing shamanic practitioner, Amanda Folger, as my guest. 
Amanda is a foundation for shamanic studies, which is the foundation that Michael Harner started, the foundation for shamanic studies faculty member, and for the past 30 years has created and taught original themed based shamanic workshops. She teaches all workshops for the Foundation of Shamanic Studies in California and has had years of experience as part of the teaching staff of the two-week Shamanic Healing Intensive and the three-year program of Advanced Initiations in Shamanism and Shamanic Healing on the West Coast. She's given presentations on contemporary core shamanic practices uh, sponsored by organizations such as the LA Jung Institute, the Yosan University of Oriental Medicine and the San Fernando Valley Interfaith Council. Additionally, she's participated in special conferences and educational programs at UCLA, the Esalen Institute Work Studies Program, Churches of Religious Science and Unitarian Congregations, as well as the Mensa Society. Amanda also works with private clients and has regular referrals from psychoanalysts, certified acupuncturists, chiropractors, ministers, and other healthcare providers for shamanic counsel training, uh, shamanic counseling, sorry, shamanic training and healing services. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Amanda. Welcome. Uh, indeed, I feel delighted to be here um, and uh, really appreciate what you're doing, Yukiko, in doing these interviews and and also the work that you offer, the training programs that you offer and workshops and so on and retreats. I think it's uh, pretty wonderful. The world needs it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. thank you. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and I forgot today is Bastille Day. So I, I spent a great deal of time in France. So, you know, I have to say happy Bastille Day. This is really, I feel the day of freeing ourselves from the tyranny mm of our minds and to, um, you know, we all have a Bastille that I think we need to storm within us um, to break away from the old habits that are no longer working, that do not serve our aliveness nor the aliveness of the world around us. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great day to be having this conversation, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so sure. I'm good, I, I wanna dive right in and, and ask you, so, you know, because in, in, in shamanism, we're dealing with the seen as well as the unseen worlds. But mm -hmm. when did you first become aware of the unseen world, mm. do you feel? Well, I had a, a kind of a spontaneous opening experience. And uh, this was in my early 20s. And um, I had, you know, you can have different kinds of experiences in different ways and be moved and um, you know all of that. But this was an experience where I really could see that there's another reality that we are you know, living in, in addition to the physical reality. And um, so you know, this, these kinds of experiences are, are known. And I fortunately had good care from uh, some friends who understood, whoa, you know, something has happened here and she needs to be taken care of for a little while, which I was. And it uh, was not very long after that that I met my first really serious teacher. I'd been involved in Subud practice uh, prior to this, which also has a lot to do with 
embodying spirit and moving and yes. that kind of thing. It's quite wonderful. Uh, so, you know, I had those kinds of experiences, but this was something different. And it went on for a period of several days. And so it's, it's you know, you can see, you know, f- for yourself <laughs> that it's not just talk talk about that there's these other realities and that there are, in fact, yeah, spirits that are part of our world. We're embodied spirits, you know, ourselves, actually. How did that experience, do you feel, influence you? Did, you know, in your, well, maybe I'll backtrack because when you have an experience like that, sometimes, excuse me, some people think of it almost like a, like a, a breakdown because oh. the, it's, it's a breakdown of your normal, normal, quote, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. capacity of holding yourself together. We all have ways of holding ourselves together, how we, are, how we present ourselves to the world and how we expect reality to present itself mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And when that membrane breaks down, it can be like a like a breakdown. Some people think it's a psychotic breakdown and get diagnosed other things. And and sometimes, you know, it is a psychotic breakdown, but there's a difference. Right. And how did you start to navigate from that place into the world? Mm-hmm. I I had the good fortune. Uh, not only had I, you know, loving care from some friends who just saw that I needed to be very quiet and not go out in the world very much, and, you know, all of that and kind of keep busy with very simple things. Uh, but I did meet my first serious spiritual teacher who was Hindu. He was a medical doctor by background and was part of the Hindu community. And uh, so he recognized something had happened to me and invited me, you know, to come and sit and meditate and, you know, and so little by little, it didn't take a real long time, I was really able to be functional again and, you know, and all of that. But once I'd had that experience, it was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, the spirit world is very real. And yes, there's good, bad, and indifferent in the spirit world, just like there's good, bad, and indifferent in the ordinary world. And, uh, you know, it would be good to, you know, have some training and to learn something about, you know, how to navigate in the, in, in the world, knowing you know, about these things. So from that place, mm-hmm. and that's, that's you know, uh, from that place, how did you end up or, or, or find yourself with shamanism? Mm. Well, I'd studied with, you know, my, my Hindu teacher. Uh, I was interested in things spiritual, you know, and uh, went to talks and, you know, worked with, you know, some different kinds of uh, traditions. And, uh I finally, at, at some point, had read Michael's book, Michael Harner's book, The Way of the Shaman. And I had known about him actually earlier because I, I was a student at UC Berkeley, and that's where okay. he taught. And when he came back, right. he taught several other places. So I knew about him, but I didn't really understand much about what he had done and what his life was like. But I came across his book, and I was like, wow, <laughs> this is kind of non-denominational a- approach to help in healing and to really recognize the gift of traditional cultures who have uh, practices that help them to connect with non-ordinary reality and also to focus on help and healing. And that in traditional cultures, that's really what shamans do is they offer help and healing. They may be knowledgeable in herbs and in body work and in a number of other things too, but the power for their work comes from their relationship with helping and healing spirits. 
And so that interested me. I thought, wow, this is very practical. It's not just about going and sitting and meditating and having a great experience. This is about, you know, service and doing something with it uh, and for it. So I really liked that. And I went and I took a course uh, in Michael's initial course. And then I signed right up for uh, a, a residential course. And then I signed right up for the next residential course. <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is great because it's practical. And um, yeah, uh, it really, I've, I found that that was my, my path and I appreciate other paths too. And I'm very grateful I've had experiences in different paths, but the, as I said, the practicality of the work uh, was very appealing. Right. You know, it's really fascinating because with the practicality of the work, mm -hmm. it makes me think of the, the work that I've been doing and it's very much steeped in the, in, in, the, the goddess or the divine feminine. And I feel like that's that's more of the the divine feminine or the, if one can say, say, but more of this feminine view where it's embodied, that mm -hmm. things that we connect with the spirit world or with the unseen world, but there is a real connection with what we experience and what we bring in, not only for getting out of here, you know? It's got nothing to do with... <laughs> getting out of this terrible reality and going somewhere else but it's really about bringing that knowledge that mm -hmm. wisdom and to this mundane world that we live in that it's very much about community about family about the community not only of the humans but the community of all the beings that we share our living space with right. both seen and unseen and and people might disagree with me, but I tend to, for facility, I tend to look at that as more of a feminine way of seeing and working with, you know, and that practical hands-on approach that um, appealed to you so much, you know, I totally get it because that really appealed to me as well, you know? Yeah, no, that's, um, so I'm really curious about the when you first went to the training what happened well i i think what happened for me was just you know teaching a the, the teaching that michael offers is really to learn how to move into somewhat altered state of consciousness with sonic driving meaning music rattling singing dancing you know these kind of, traditional cultures do this everywhere and so having that kind of very grounding and kind of practical way of shifting your consciousness. And again, your intention matters too. It's not like you just kind of sit and fix me, you know, do me. It's, it's, it's <laughs> you have to have an intention to make these connections for yourself. And how that happens for you is, you know, uniquely yours. So some people are very visual uh, in the way they have experiences. Some people are more kinesthetic. Some people are more auditory. And I think the more you practice, it's like at any kind of skill, the more you practice, the better you get at it. And the more you understand, oh, yeah, I can feel something. I can sense something. I can hear something. I can see something that I understand is true. And, you know, okay, this is actually going on. Yes, the tree has a spirit. Yes, this place where I go in nature where there's these rocks and this pond, it's, you know, everything is alive there. 
And it's not just us humans who are kind of trotting around the planet and running the show. It's, it's really about, wait a minute, every living being has a spirit. Yeah. And to, you know, and I think shamanic cultures understood this. Yeah. And I think it gives you a sense of community that we kind of miss these days here on planet Earth. Uh, and yeah. so I think the interest in shamanism and the interest in the kind of work that you're doing and uh, others are doing, I think this is what's going to get us through. Uh, I really, yeah. really think so, because we are in a kind of precarious time on the planet right now. Uh, the way they, that elements are being used and, you know, wars and, you know, all this. And, you know, you can go on and on. And and we all know what the bad news is. I, I'm interested in let's get to the good news and let's be players in it and not just be kind of victims. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, that's that's really well said, you know, it's. We some people tend to think of shamanism as um, something other. I think for a long time, perhaps due to different religious and certain, you know, there was a there was a, a European political, social, economic dominancy, you know, mm -hmm. over the world, and and um, and then American, which kind of looked at shamanism and the and the indigenous cultures as something less than it wasn't as evolved and uh not as scientific or not um as driven in terms of the values that the the american european way of looking at things you know saw as 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 valuable it it didn't make money it didn't have buildings it didn't have all of these things and um and now, as you say, I feel like it's it's come to a place. And 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 when we were talking about this before, you said how the interest in 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 this other way of seeing, this mm -hmm. other way of connecting with the world, with nature, and um, understanding ourselves and understanding what's what's really valuable. Um, all the money in the bank isn't going to do anything if we have no more clean water. Right, and so this newly found way of of looking at the world is is so important and i also want to remind those of european descent that shamanism isn't just we, we use the word shamanism it does, the shaman the word shaman does come from you know certain tribes uh in the in the um in the 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 siberia and the mongolian region but now it's in english i feel like it covers this way of connecting with helping spirits to be able to to connect with the unseen world but i just wanted to remind that those of european descent that shamanism is is also indigenous to oh, yeah. the european people oh, very much very much you know you look at the you, you might know about the druids and also uh, the, there's uh, people who are recovering a lot of work around Celtic shamanism and trying to understand how, you know, how that comes in and the different goddess works that's happening or the, you know, some of you who are interested in witchcraft, all of those things are connected with nature, with, with oneness with nature. And so I just wanted to, to talk about that, that it's not this alien thing. No, no, it is not. Know? It's in, in cross-culturally all over the world. There's been some version of 
shamanism and understanding that, you know, everything is alive, that we share in the greater creative life of the planet um, and that we're not solo acts. Um, and I think yeah. to really understand that and bring it home, you know, any form of spiritual practice, I think can be pretty helpful in, in, go, in waking up to that. But I think shamanism in particular recognizes, yeah, everything is alive and we are one family. And yes, we can communicate with each other in ordinary reality and in non-ordinary reality. And shamans traditionally were healers in uh, the traditional cultures. They learned about the healing values of different kinds of plants and different kinds of waters and, you know, different kinds of ways in which help and healing could be brought to members of the community. Wasn't there also this um, interest for the shamans about balance, about balance between the community and the natural world, for example, if something was out of balance, that it could bring, you know, I, I don't know how it works within shamans. I, I'm thinking about the Japanese uh, practice of Shinto, which is connected to a more ancient form of shamanism in Japan. And they talked about the balance in terms of purification. Beautiful. You yep. know, so in terms of, of, so the gods or the goddesses wore anything that looked beautiful. So, so I remember, you know, if there was a beautiful tree, they would put like a shimenawa, this huge rope around it, saying, you know, this tree is to be revered, or a mountain that was mm -hmm. Mount Fuji mm -hmm. is 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 a goddess, you know, right. because she's amazing. Volcanoes, different places. So there was that, and to find the balance between the natural world and the human world, to do ritual, to come into a connection of some sort, and and I was wondering if there was something like that in the in the shamanic world. Well, sure. I mean, I think shamans in different cultures all kind of understood this stuff very clearly and understood that their relationship with the earth, their relationship with the animals that they would capture and kill for food. It wasn't, you know, they were respectful uh, about how yeah. about doing things. And they understood that the earth was alive and they understood, you know, that yeah, there maybe are places that are more powerful or have more access to spiritual experiences and things like that, as well as different kinds of practices, fasting, uh, vision questing, uh, mm -hmm. in all kinds of different ways in caves and, you know, in for several days or not eating and fasting and, you know, being in, in isolation. Very often I, I, I've Anybody, I think, who's done a vision quest, I've had the experience of doing vision quests, and it's a very, very powerful experience. You don't eat. Uh, you're just there in one place in the wilderness for four days and nights, and you have the opportunity to go deep into, oh, my goodness, the earth here is alive, and the, the plants and the birds and the animals and everything that is around here, there's a conversation going on. Uh, you know, we're not just, you know, solo acts just carrying on all the time. And I think that kind of experience is humbling, but in the best kind of way mm. where you recognize, oh, my God, I'm part of something bigger. And that's when you begin to get it. We live in a miraculous planet. We don't know yet if there's anything like the Earth anywhere in the, you know, in the universe. It seems possible. But so far, we get it that this is pretty rare and yeah. uh, that we get to have an embodied experience here and share life with all these other life forms and with these very basic elements that we have to have in order to survive. 
that's pretty big. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of traditional cultures, they did initiatory work with young people because they realized they had to have their own experience of it, not just be told a story about it, but they had to have an experience of it in some way. And then they could come back and be a member of the community in a responsible way. Some might get called then to do healing work or to do you know some form of shamanic practice. And that's fine. But I think those initiatory experiences in traditional cultures, they got it. Everybody's got to have their moment of drinking in the aliveness of everything around us and that we are in community. We aren't, you know, just by ourselves. Yeah. And that's, you know, I remember the time when I was working with uh, council work mm -hmm. at the Ojai Foundation mm -hmm. and how they were trying to revive this initiation process, especially for the teenagers today, who are so kind of left on their own to try to self-initiate and, um, and the kind of loss that there is when there is, isn't a container that's held for them so that they can pass through this passageway of teenagerhood to become an adult. And that initiation process, as you say, in those indigenous societies, when, the, when, when there was an understanding in a way that was different, it wasn't about just getting good grades and no, no, you know, no. getting a good job, you know, no, no, which no. makes you into an adult. There was a real, yeah. you know, I, I love the word that you used, respect, of, right. and that, of, of, of developing that capacity of respect and responsibilities, you know, we have yeah. responsibilities. And it's interesting, you know, in, in recent times, there's been various incidents where there's been, you know, uh, digging for oil or going and doing a ton of, of, of you know, cutting down a, a forests of trees, you know, to get wood so that, you know, we can build houses and have cars and, you know, and you take a look at the indigenous, these, some of these indigenous peoples are standing up and saying, I'm sorry, you cannot do this here. This is sacred land and our relationship with the land here and with the plants and the animals here um, yeah. and the water here, it matters. And no, you cannot come here and, and do that. And it's, you know, because they recognize there's a kind of balance uh, between all of these different elements and all of these different life forms. And, you know, to become aware of it. And again, a lot of traditional cultures got that. And yes, may do different kinds of ceremonies and different kinds of rituals, but having that respect for all these different life forms and understanding how, yes, they can hunt. Yes, they can build structures. Yes, they can do things, but doing it mindfully with, yes. wait a minute, if I do it this way, it's going to have an impact on some other life form. And I need to pay attention to that. I need to understand community is where we have to be, you know, coming from here. We cannot come here just as by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if you could briefly touch upon, you know, right now there is, I think many people are worried about cultural appropriation mm. and thinking like, well, shamanism, you know, is that stealing from like the, mm. the Native American people or the Peru, you know, the Amazonian people or the Mongolian people? So if you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think, again, I think this was Michael's contribution because he did work in various cultures and recognized there's certain basic understandings about our relationship with nature and so on. That yes, there are there may be very particular songs or dances or rituals that the different cultures do, but cross-culturally, 
there's an enormous amount of similarities of the purpose of these kinds of uh, traditional initiatory experiences for young people, for example, where they might be sent out into the wilderness for a period of time, or where they might have some kind of ordeal uh, that they need to go through. It's so that they can awaken the connection in their heart and not just, you know, some mm -hmm. teaching or some idea about things. It's a really having their own experience of it. And so I think, you know, my, one of the things that Michael did was to say, okay, rhythm of some kind, clapping, singing, dancing, drumming, you know, it helps to change the consciousness. And there's interesting studies that have been done that, yep, it really does happen. So, yeah. um, and so Michael recognized, okay, we're not going to be singing songs of traditional cultures. We're going to find a song for ourselves when we get in touch with helping spirits. But yes, we're going to use some kind of rhythm, usually about four to six beats a second. And you do it for a period of time and you realize, oh, your brainwaves actually start to change and you start to become more conscious of a larger dimension than just, you know, the physical experience of sitting in the chair right now. So, um, <laughs> so also your intention matters. Do you want to make this kind of a connection? And again, traditional cultures, people grew up with that happening around them all the time. So it's something that they, that they learned. And yes, if there was an initiatory experience for the women or for the men, yeah, they would have certain kinds of experiences that would again help them to have a personal opening of some kind to the aliveness of everything around them and the responsibilities that go with it. So Michael's pretty careful about not trying to take songs or dances that are particular mm -hmm. uh, from other cultures, but recognizing, okay, most of them have like four to six beats a second. Okay, we can do that, you know, or we can do that. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. and 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 we can maybe dance a little bit or we can move around a little bit, or maybe we find that some kind of a song starts to come to us and we begin to realize we're shifting our consciousness. And if we have the intention that we can shift our consciousness, um, then there's a likelihood something like that might happen. Again, cross-culturally, there seems to be a pretty general agreement that we have this reality, which is a physical reality, and then we have a reality above that's entirely spiritual and a reality below that's entirely spiritual. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, I'm speaking in very broad terms, but that's what Michael did a lot of research and said, oh my God, here's the, here's the underlying kinds of um, beliefs and underlying right. understanding and so let's build on that and have our own experiences of doing that. So we're not taking songs from or dance, right. particularly from traditional people, but we recognize singing and dancing is part of it. So, and we get it that, yeah, four to six beats a second, brainwaves start to change. There's been some interesting studies about this. So you begin to get it. In, a, in the modern world, we can learn some of these things and we can find ways of practicing that are practical, but also can possibly open the door for us to have some of these kinds of experiences ourselves. Not everybody's interested in this sort of thing. I think that's perfectly okay. But yeah. I, think, I think in a way, I do think it's important that we have something that helps us to have these kinds of connections. People also in traditional religious, you know, situations, uh, they may go to churches or synagogues or different kinds of places and they pray and they sing and they dance and they may be songs that they know, dances that they're taught. 
And they too may have remarkable spiritual experiences, but it's kind of very much within the, the ground, you know, the, the ground plane of what their culture is or what their religion is. Yeah. The point here is, yes, we can cultivate uh, the spiritual dimension and there's ways in which we can do it where we begin to understand that we are part of something much bigger. Yeah. That's I feel, you know, I feel that because this cultural appropriation conversation has been brought to me in different ways. Right. My feeling is, is that it's really important to, that the intention is clear. Yes. And, um, and that it's not just about taking something because it looks cool mm -hmm. or that it's fashionable or that it's going to make money, mm -hmm. um, you know, but to, to taking, to, to taking a practice and we come back to that word of respect and responsibility to take any practice with respect for that practice and where it comes from and how it can, you know, and what is your responsibility right. in taking the practice? You know, how will you take that out into the world in such a way that it is enhancing the relationship with community mm -hmm. and not just the human community, but with the, the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And that is a, a, a very deep question yes. that, you know, that, that requires each one of us. I don't feel like there is one answer. It requires each one of us to step up to that place of integrity and, um, and to ask ourselves very seriously, you know, you know, what is my intention? Why am I going in this way? Mm -hmm. And with that foundation, I feel that it's really, really positive to study and utilize and um, receive as gifts different things that have come through through different peoples, <laughs> you know, and for the benefit of the greater whole, something right. like that, you know. And, and I think the interest in this kind of stuff is quite important and I think quite valuable. Yeah, some people just kind of, they want to test it out and have an experience and they're, you know, not right. much happens and they carry on and that's fine. But I think for those people who have some kind of an experience, whether it's, I mean, people have visions in Catholic churches for God's sake or in, you know, Muslim, uh, you know, places yes. worship. So it's, it's not exclusive. It's very inclusive. It's just that, yeah, different cultures have different ways of having these kinds of experiences. And shamanic cultures want to cultivate these kinds of experiences because they want you to have the, the experience of it, not just hearing about it and talking about it. Can you briefly talk? Because, you know, when I, when I worked with uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who's a shaman from the Toltec tradition, mm -hmm. and he was very much against the use of medicine, plant medicine. In, in his work. So right. he, he didn't want us to do plant medicine. He was cultivating our capacity to, to listen and to go in without that help. And I know that certain cultures, um, you know, like when I look at ayahuasca, for example, and I see the plant and where it comes from and, and, and how it might mean to the people who live with that plant. Yes. It's, it's this amazing plant and you go, wow, okay, if you're living with this mother plant and that you're sharing in that community that, that that there is a language that might be shared in using or in in receiving that communication from the mother ayahuasca but i wonder you know for me personally i wonder about the 
about what it means to to take it out of that context. Yeah, to, and, you know, that's, that's been, a, I think, a problem, not not in every way and all the time. But I think if you understand that the the plant medicines that are used and majority of cultures don't use medicine plants to get into altered states of consciousness. But those that do, they have, you know, respectful rituals, they have preparation, they have work that's done after the experience. Uh, these, the medicine plants are usually pretty powerful. And so that you can like, you know, just kind of like be sent in a rocket. <laughs> it's kind of like, woo, right. you know? And so, and for some people it's great. And for some people, it's really not a good idea. So traditional cultures, they had a lot of ceremonial preparation and again, a lot of respect. Uh, not everybody in all the cultures took the medicine plants. And usually the shamans who were involved in working with medicine plants, they understood the plants are living beings and they have these properties and they have to be cultivated and treated in a certain way. And anybody who's gonna be involved working with medicine plants needs to have preparation any number of different things. I have had people come to, to see me who had had some experiences with medicine plants, some of which were good and some of which were not so great. They were clearly not well prepared. They were clearly not supported appropriately. And maybe they were people who should never take a medicine plant, having a medicine plant experience. Mm -hmm. It's very big, it's very powerful, and it's not for everybody. And it is not by any means the only way people can have a spiritual experience. So right. I, I think our culture gets pretty excited about anything you can do. Hey, you can do this real fast and quick. And guess what? You can have this great experience. And, you know, it's like going out and buying a car. And it's, it's like, no, it isn't <laughs> like that. It, you do right. have to prepare for this. You do have to be ready for this. You, you know, it's not for everybody and so on. And the traditional cultures understand that perfectly. And no, you don't need to have medicine plant experience to have a spiritual opening of some kind or a teaching or a learning or a healing. Um, and I think it's very important people understand that. Yeah. So, you know, uh, we're, we're running a little bit out of time, but I wanted to ask you, when you do private work, you know, mm -hmm. there, there, there is that shamanic expression of soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. um, it's one form and of healing. It's one, one form of healing. healing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you talk us just, what happens if, if someone were to come and see you? Mm -hmm. How does it? Uh, well, I talk with what people. Can one expect? Yeah, I, I talk with people about what you know, what their issue is. Why do they? Why are they here? And sometimes people hear about soul retrieval and say, "Yeah, I haven't been the same since you know I was sent off to school, or I haven't been the same since I was in this automobile accident, or you know had some kind of traumatic experience." That's very typical for. A soul loss of some kind it is usually some kind of a of a intense experience where soul level part of you checks out part of you mm -hmm. just says whoa i can't handle this i'm i'm out of here and so that's what soul loss is all about so you don't people sometimes are recognize yeah ever since that automobile accident or that traumatic something that happened i have not been the same and so that may be part of the healing that is needed for a person from a shamanic point of view is, okay, where, mm -hmm. what happened to that part of them that checked out? It got scared or it got misused or it got hurt or, you know, any number of different things that can happen. So part of your life essence leaves 
And yes, in psychological terms, in psychiatry, there might be language for, oh, somebody is having this kind of a experience, a breakdown of some kind, or, you know, ever since this experience, they have not been able to be, you know, active in, in their lives in a lot of different ways. Yes, there's a psychological aspect that could very well be extremely helpful. But from a shamanic point of view, you'd say, ah, part of the life essence of that person checked out. Or and then how do you go and get that back? You journey and you go to helping and healing spirits. I would go to the my helping and healing spirits. So that's what shamans do. They work with their own helping spirits to in, in, direct them to whatever the work is that needs to be done. And so sometimes people hear about soul retrieval and they think, yep, I know I need it in some way. And they may sometimes very small things can happen. You can have an, a big things, automobile accident or mm -hmm. loss of a loved one or, you know, having to move from a home where you always felt very happy. Uh, you know, you can on and on and on. You know, we have these experiences. Probably. If you're pretty strong, you may not have part of your life essence leave. Um, but if you have a really big experience, a big traumatic something, yeah, part of you could kind of check out and not really want to be here or not know how to be here when such an experience has happened. So in yeah. shamanic work, the shaman journeys to their helping spirits to say, is there some part of this person that isn't here with them that we can restore to them here today? Or, you know, here to, can we do that kind of work for this person? So you always check, you always make sure, um, mm -hmm. And um, and then you journey to meet with the helping spirits who direct you to wherever that part of that person's soul is, and you bring it back. Um, and it takes a lot of practice to get you know effect do effective work. Um, right. And uh, it's not something that's just kind of casual. And doesn't that sound neat? Um, yeah, because you are working with part of the life essence of this person. So you yeah. want to work with great respect and great care. And you also may find that that person, in addition to having that part of their soul coming back after a trauma of some kind, but they may need some kind of spiritual power and protection, which would mean a helping spirit in an animal form that might be brought to them that they need to be in touch with to help them to be strong, to help them to be present, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so there's doesn't and it doesn't rule out good psychology. It doesn't rule out good body work. It do, you know, you may need a great variety of things to really have healing, and you also may need a period of time um, to work on a lot of different issues in your life before you really go. I think I'm really fully here now, <laughs> and yeah. I I can get on with my life. You know, so. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's really true with with integration, and it's really fascinating because there is the um, you know to restore some of the things that get left behind. I remember you know working again with Don Miguel, and that the recovery work it was getting the you know when there's a shocking thing that happens right. to go back to the moment right before that shock happened and to recover that. And especially when it has to do with like, say an argument with a person or there was a there was something that came in mm -hmm. to return to that person, whatever it was that you swallowed right. from them. Right, and, and, that, and that's a form of soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so 
there's different forms in which you, you can do this. Right. And what, what was really, what's really fascinating, and, and this is something that also I think in the, um, some of the yogic work, the, the, the tantric work that I, I was doing as well, that the, you know, that you have sort of a, and I think it was mostly with the yogic work, but that, that there is a certain amount of energy that's available to you. And so you want to get all of your energy back together in terms of healing and wholeness, because it, to have this breakthrough moment come, there was this belief within the yogic system that I had studied that you had to have enough energy. It's sort of like a rocket taking off from, from Earth. Mm -hmm. the, initially, you need a lot of energy to clear the atmosphere before you can keep on going. And I think in terms of spiritual work, it's that sometimes in order to go beyond our mental noise and our habitual ways of thinking and to start to see things and see oneself, you know, so it's part of the integration work as in, in another way that you need to gather enough confidence or enough energy within yourself and which requires a wholeness of the soul, that kind yeah. of energy to yeah. be able yeah. to clear. Yeah, in shamanic work, we also talk about the loss of power. So you can have mm -hmm. part of your own personal uh, soul, so to speak, check out for some reason or another, or be taken or be given, or you know, any number of different varieties of things that could happen. Right. But then also you want to have spiritual power. And the way in which you have spiritual power in shamanic practice is that you have a strong relationship with at least one uh, strong helping spirit. And maybe you have several different uh, helping spirits. And again, that's all part of shamanic practice. So you want to have some, some degree of, of spiritual power, meaning connection with uh, some kind of helping and healing spirit um, that carries, you know, that that, that essence of the power of the universe you know we're all like little walking versions of that we each have our own little bit of the power of the universe that we express through ourselves and that we embody in some right. way you know so does everybody yeah so, yeah. Yeah. yeah beautiful well if if there are any uh questions out there please write it into the comments box and for those of you who would like to connect with amanda and to see more of her work or to to do a private session or look at some of the workshops that she's offering, please go to her website, amandafolger.com. Mm -hmm. And so I invite those of you who have been listening in, if you have any comments or any questions or any experiences that you would like to share, please do that. And I, I wanted to, uh, to see if you would guide us in you know, right now the world needs a lot of healing. Okay, mm -hmm. I have a I have a question. It says, how do you begin connecting to helping spirits that can aid me in this healing process? Mm -hmm. Well, um, the way you do it, and from shamanic point of view, is you learn how to journey. You learn how to make connections. Um, and again, in the kind of work that I do, we use sonic driving, drumming, singing, rattling, dancing. Those are ways in which we can shift our consciousness, but we also have to have the intention. And so it's good to train. Uh, it's good to learn a little bit about it, either in a workshop or in a private session, you know, a variety of ways you can learn how to do this. It's not big and complicated, but it does, like everything, take some practice. And some people do it very easily. Some people find it something they have to kind of work at to 
begin to relax and open to, you know, how this might be for them. So, yeah. So Amanda, would you like to um, give us a, um, a little, well, not a little bit, an experience? Um, I think what I'd like to do maybe is just take a few minutes here. I work with my rattles. Uh, you can work with rattles or drums and, you know, and things like that. And so I usually work with rattles. And I'll just do a little rattling. It just helps to shift your consciousness a little bit. And, um, and just asking for blessings. Uh, asking for helping and healing spirits to, you know, be with us, all of us who have been in this circle today, uh, to help us to move forward and to bring peace and love and healing into our world. You know, so just keep it keep it simple. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, okay. time we call on helping and healing spirits is when we want to do something um, that involves them. And so we've just asked, you know, for helping and healing spirits to be with us here today and uh, to really help us to move forward on our planet home and to bring peace and love and, um, you know, health and wellness into our, you know, human community so that we can really live in peace here and um, you know be able to be respectful of all life forms you know live live as community not just as you know solo acts and just recognize we're part of something you know much bigger and um, yeah and our intentions matter <laughs> uh, they really do um, and so you know when we have the intention of you know love and service and caring and um, peace, and healing, you know, it, 
it, it matters uh, how we go about our days and how we are in our communities and in our families. So I wish all the best for all of us as we move through this major uh, time of initiation and, and change. Yeah. Um, and, you know, may we all come in through this in a good way and, you know, have a world for our the next generation, the generations to come uh, that, you know, is good and is beautiful and uh, peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Amanda. Mm. And uh, it's such an honor to to be with you and there's rachel greenberg oh rachel rachel says blessings and gratitude to you both oh so, thank you yeah thank you and um there is for those of you interested there is a, a also an amazing documentary that i i really want to point all of you to it's uh called the call of the forest and it's a film that was written and uh features diana beresford kroger She's an Irish Canadian lady who has studied about the forest and the trees all her life. She was born in Ireland and when she became an orphan, the community around her took her in. It's from the old Brehon law of Ireland that if you have an orphan, it is the responsibility of the community to make sure that the child is taken care of and is raised properly. And so she learned about the ancient ways of uh, the, the Celtic shamanic ways, if you like, the, the old ways mm. from all the people who took care of her. So she has all of that foundation, plus she's a scientist. And mm. um, it's, a, it's, it's a remarkable documentary. And I really invite you to, to take a look. It's one of the ways in which I feel practices and also knowledge, we need both things, you know, the left and the right brain, things to work in conjunction so that we know what we are looking at and facing and also at the same time have the capacity to be able to journey into the unseen so that both the seen and the unseen worlds both are equally important in the balance that we can, we can hold both worlds with and within ourselves to have that respect and responsibility. So thank you again for joining in. And those of you who are interested in journeying with the movement of our moon, the full moon ritual is, uh, is the full moon is gonna be on the 23rd of July, full moon, beautiful full moon. And so we'll be uh, doing ritual around that. And if you are interested, please go and visit uh, the rituals page. And also Lamas is coming up. Uh, Lamas is the, the, um, the ceremony, the celebration of the goddess, the mother, the great mother that, that is, is truly the abundance of everything. You know, uh, she provides us with all the, the food and the and the grains. It's it's um, around this time of the year when the first harvest is coming in, and so we'll be doing a ritual on August second. It's a Monday from six mm -hmm. to seven p.m. So again, if you are interested and want to find out more, please go to uh, the the web page for rituals. And thank you again, Amanda. Oh, you're for welcome. 
for really gracing us, you know, with this, with your wisdom and your presence. Thank you. So, thank you, everybody. Yep. Many blessings, everybody. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much.